Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2318. Today we're going to be talking about something very important for your vehicle, lubrication. Be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Cypress, California, with a very special guest by the name of Nolan Browning. Nolan, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Mark. You're welcome. We're going to have some fun. Before I introduce you, what's one little thing that maybe people don't know about Nolan Browning? Ooh, that's a good point. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Yeah, I'll say that one thing I guess people don't know about me. Some people do, but I have a fascination uh, with kind of strange cars. Ah. So uh, I guess one of the my favorite cars is the uh, Renault Twingo. So, oh, gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have a weird fascination with that car. I always loved it when I see it in Europe and trying to import one. So uh, it's kind of uh, unassuming with some of the other cars that I've shared, but uh, that car for one reason or another has my, uh, has my heart. So hope to have one someday. Well, I hope so. Yeah. And given it's uh, a French car and the company that you're part of is French, that kind of... It's fitting. Yeah. Yeah. Very fitting. Kind of fitting. I've had some guests on the show that import very unique cars. The last guest imported a lot of very unique cars from Japan. And given that they're a certain age now, you can bring them in, whereas before you couldn't. So the Twingo, does it have to be a certain age before you can import it? Yeah. And they're finally, you know, most of the early ones are obviously past that 25-year mark. So you are seeing a couple... Uh, pop up from uh, some folks in the military and things like that already. So hopefully I can uh, find one uh, with the convertible top and everything would be great. So oh, cool! I hope so. You have to send me a picture when you get the, when you get that <laughs> thing. Yeah, definitely. I'll turn some heads. Even Southern California, having just returned from there and seeing so many wonderful cars down there. Yeah, the, what is that? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. A very collected group of uh, cars down here, which is great. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, that's Nolan again, cruising around in his Twingo. So mm -hmm. <laughs> there we yeah. go. Nolan Browning is the marketing director for Motul USA, a French manufacturing a company of high-performance engine oils and lubricants. No doubt you've heard about them. Nolan started his career as an independent automotive blogger and journalist, writing for outlets like Digital Trends and his own site, the Ignition blog, he spent several years running the automotive content team and forum communities for internet brand automotive groups, uh, known for sites like Corvette Forum, Honda Tech, LS1 Tech, and Ford Truck. So talking to somewhat of a fellow journalist here today, we'll learn a lot more about Nolan and the brand that he's a part of. But first, a word from our sponsors, so give them a little love. Uh, they keep the lubricants in our car here, and we'll be right back. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up, way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 866 
224-9324 and protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. They're talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and first-hand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. If you're listening to this program, there's a pretty good chance you believe what I believe, that the collector vehicles we love are more than just a means of getting from one place to the other. They're a part of our culture, our identity, and as a people, they bring us together at vintage races, classic car auctions, and thousand-mile rallies. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these important vehicles aren't lost to time. RPM stands for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship. And their goal is to inspire the next generation of vehicle restoration professionals through its outreach programs. And they include Shop Hop, Off to the Races, the RPM Future Class, and many others. These programs engage talented young people across the country and connect them with mentors and a variety of opportunities in the industry. For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of collector vehicles skill trade, visit rpm.foundation today. Nolan, we are back, so I'd love to learn a little bit more first about what you were doing before pretty much as a journalist and a writer and a blogger. I find this really fascinating. And then we'll talk about how you transitioned into working for one of the best known brands for uh, caring for and lubricating your your cars. But let's go back in time a little bit first. Yeah, I think coming out of college, it was trying to find things, uh, you know, sources of my passion. So started getting involved, just kind of writing as a hobby. And then, you know, the hobby turned into to an even bigger hobby, you know, got connected with the OEMs and manufacturers, started going to some local events. So kind of learned that world and ended up turning into to somewhat of a career, you know, doing freelance journalism, writing for digital trends, um, writing for my own personal site. So, you know, it's one of those things where the hobby channeled my passion into something that was useful um, and helped kind of grow my career and, and give me experience. And so that kind of spun off into working for internet brands, which is, uh, they own Cars Direct uh, and then own over 100 automotive forums. So it was kind of creating content for that, managing the uh, the forums and communities and all the um, events and, and marketing activities over there. So it's one of those things where you kind of kept pursuing my passion and trying to find different ways to to be involved with the automotive industry. And, and that spun into, again, a, a great job that I had for, for, for over seven years at Internet Brands and met a lot of great journalists and managed a content team there. And a lot of those guys have gone on to to manage the drive and, and Jalopnik and, yeah. and Haggerty. And, and so it's kind of cool to see to grow up within that community and then um, have them all kind of spin off. And I still work with many of those people today, uh, which is kind of cool uh, in agencies and things like that with, uh, with Motul now. Well, the convergence into Motul, how did that happen? I mean, you end up at a, a French lubrication oil company. This is an interesting transition. Yeah, I wouldn't expect it. It was one of those things where I had a conversation with the uh, the current president at the time at SEMA, was there covering SEMA and just had a conversation. They were looking for 
someone passionate about motorsports, passionate about the automotive industry in general, and um, just trying to grow the brand. The brand is still small, but at the time we were even smaller, of course, uh, back in 2018. So for me, it was just a, a nice challenge and, and yeah, something completely different. Never expected to work for, for, for a lubrication company on that side of the industry, but um, it kind of it kind of leaned into my passion for, for motorsports, which I wasn't really kind of touching on um, in, my, in my past career. So it's been an exciting ride to uh, to kind of grow it this past uh, nearly five years now and, and see the company and the brand expand um, in the U.S. and Canada. I think it's really, really cool. You know, it's a, a testament to talking to people and listening and seeing or hearing an opportunity that might be there that you never even dreamed you would have. And all of a sudden, hmm. I think I might like to pursue this. So yes. my hat's off to you for doing that. Let's talk about the brand a little bit. Most of us who are into motorsports, we're into the car world, uh, everything from Formula One to motorcycles to cars, European cars, U.S. cars, know of the brand. But sometimes you'll mention a brand like that to people and they go, I'm not quite so sure about that because of all the prolific oil brands here in the U.S. Tell us about Motul, what you guys are all about, what you produce, and what is the reason that those of us who are motorheads should pay attention to your brand. Yeah, certainly. As you mentioned, I mean, the brand is known globally pretty well, but um, we're actually celebrating our 170th anniversary oh, this year. Congratulations. So, wow. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, not a lot of people know that it's that old. I mean, it actually started too, a French brand, but it started in the United States. So it was part of the um, Swan and Finch, and it was actually a, a Rockefeller owned one of those uh various oils and greases companies that they had uh, and then the Motul brand got kind of spun off and the uh, French distributor ended up buying it when sort of the monopolies and things broke up um, and so that's why it's been French ever since then so but again they're known since then we've developed the first uh, semi-synthetic oil first fully synthetic automotive oil we're known for our 300v racing line of uh, of engine oils it's uh, celebrated 50 years in, in 2021 so known for high-end um, and high performance synthetic products for mostly for racing so engine oils brake fluid uh, gear oils and uh, so motorsports has been a perfect uh, fit for that we'll be at uh, Le Mans this year celebrating their 100th anniversary um, and been a partner with that series for over 60 years now so the brand is, again, known globally. It has a huge history, but in the U.S., it's just uh, we have really only kind of been back around since the, the mid-80s uh, as, a, as a brand, Motul USA. So it's still trying to grow the awareness for, for a young brand in this market, which is so, uh, I guess, congested with, with other competitors. So it's exciting to try to uh, get people to understand more about the company. And uh, I always say that it was a very European approach. Like we would come here and we would have track signage everywhere, but mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I always joke that I thought they made track banners at one point because I had no idea they made oil. I would just see the name at the track. <laughs> sure. I, yeah. You know, you see that when you go to events and you go, what is that brand? Especially if you watch F1. Yeah. And you, what is, oh, it's a bank company or, you know, in the yep. old days it was cigarette companies or beer companies or distilleries and things like that. For you making this transition and, and my hat's off to you for making a bold leap in your career to something completely different. That's a, that's a very brave thing to do. Uh, what has been the most notable change in your mindset of doing this and what have been the great benefits and rewards for you? Yeah, I think kind of coming from from the general automotive enthusiast, I try to say, what well, where would I look for this brand? You know, where where would I be or what would I be doing to try to know more about this brand? And so it's kind of having that 
that different mindset. And even uh, this past weekend, we, we we took over a title sponsorship of the uh, IMSA race of Laguna Seca. So it's now uh, Motul Course de Monterey. So oh, cool. bring a little European flair. But it's that whole event, we did a whole automotive rally from Malibu up the coast with a, a large group of people on, and sharing on social media and some journalists. So it's really trying to find a story to tell and then the right people to tell that story <laughs> coming from a content background. Right. In my past life, would have seen this content and seeing more about the brand and wanted to learn more. So it's kind of, that's what I try to channel is my, my personality in the past is just a general enthusiast and maybe my friends in the group uh, that I hung out with in the automotive community, where would they be looking and what would they want to do to connect with a brand like this? So that's really kind of been the best, I guess, method to success for a lot to call it that just be grow the awareness. I guess, yeah, of the brand. yeah. Well, what you're doing is working because and you've been there for five years and I see the the brand more and more being a car guy. I'll tell you, I spent a little time on your website. It, it's very cool because I, one of my cars is an E46 M3 I've had since new and I want to take care of it. I want to make it last. And I love the way that your site can drill me down to the exact product that you offer for the gearbox, transmission, uh, lubrication, oils and things. I got right there really quick, really Really easily went, okay, that's exactly what I need. Instead of how does this compare to what I have been using or what the BMW company says I should be putting my car, which I'm sure is just some other brand with the BMW logo and then they double the price. So, exactly. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for us diehards, like, well, it's special. You got you to gotta do it right. So, bravo, you're doing a, a really nice job uh, with well, the you. way you're promoting. You're welcome. Inspirations and, and what I call are driving inspirations that have been very influential people in your life. Has there been somebody like that for you? I'd say it's hard to pinpoint one person, but uh, as I mentioned, being in college, I like to mention, you know, Twitter, I got involved with that when it was, you know, 2009, kind of the end of my college career. Um, it's become much more of a beast now, uh, social media. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but, but at that time, it was a very kind of niche group, and you could find kind of these passionate small groups of people that would kind of have these conversations. So I met kind of a lot of journalists, uh, Jeff Glucker and uh, Joel Fetter and Bradley Brownell and some of these guys that are they kind of were the same type they were they were passionate people trying to do freelance writing or trying to go to these events and so um, I just kind of a lot of the people I guess it's a group a group that kind of inspired me because they were very willing to give their information when I had questions in general about you know, how did you get into this how do you get a press vehicle how do you get invited to this event how, what's what's the best approach um, there's a lot of those key people that, that that gave me a chance or gave me information on the fellow journalist side. And then I'll also say industry folks. I mean, Dave Barthmuse at GM at the time, Scott Brown, at Chrysler, still at Chrysler. Um, there's a lot of these guys that, uh, you know, when I made an early pitch and never done a review or done a trip before, they gave me a shot. You know, they, they believed in, in the pitch or the idea that I had. So uh, I would say just the the people in the automotive industry at that time, journalists and and people in the actual OEM space that uh, that listened, <laughs> answered questions and kind of and were kind of mentors in that way. So I think just uh, it's not one single person, but I think it's a group of people that were willing to sort of give a a kid from college that knew nothing a shot to uh, to prove himself. So I think that's that's the most important part to uh, to my story. Would you say that the, uh, and it's something I've learned having interviewed so many people, the automotive industry is one of those rare industries that really does allow for professionals at all different levels to reach out to people and communicate. And, and I think it's because, at least my opinion, I'll, I'd love to hear yours, we're passionate about what we do. We love vehicles. We love racing. We love anything that rolls on rubber. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think they're very open. I think it's a, it's a fun industry, right? I think you're always going to find that the, the small kind of people that, that aren't having fun, but I think the, the automotive industry is fun. So I think um, there's people that are there to see the passion, see kind of their own um, interest in, in, in cars and other people and are willing to give them a shot. I guess my feedback looking back now is kind of approach people and make sure that you're not a burden or that you're kind of doing your, your due diligence to, to be beneficial and offer them something that can help them. So, yeah, I think it, as long as you're kind of offering something helpful um, and kind of uh, don't need hand-holding as much, I think there's definitely people willing to kind of give you a shot and help you along the way. Oh, yeah, most definitely. No doubt throughout your career life, uh, you've met up with a challenger too. Most of us have. And one of the great things about challenges is they teach us really valuable lessons. Is there one in particular you could walk us through that at the time may have not been much fun, but looking back, you're glad you had to experience that because it taught you something really valuable? Yeah, I think uh, professionally, uh, I always joke that you know people joke about big oil. And so, um, you know, and, I, and on the French side, I, can, I say we're petite oil or like more of a, <laughs> yeah. a boutique manufacturer. So I think when you get into this industry, there's a lot of the, the shells and mobile ones and people that uh, that have quite a bit of money. So I think the biggest challenge that I had to learn early on is there are going to be a lot of motorsports programs, uh, influencers that um, that would come to me and say, hey, I got X, X dollar offer, X kind of package offered to me from, from you know, Mobile One or a large competitor. And I think I got really discouraged at the time saying there's no way in the world that I could ever help you. You know, thank you for the relationship, but uh, moving on. And I learned over time to try to be more creative. So not kind of take that as, hey, I don't have the resources, so... Uh, or that level of resources, so I can't help you. So I've learned to kind of work closer with those people and understand what are their goals? What are their professional goals? What are the goals of the race team? They want to be seen more for the content. They want to build a clothing brand or a name for themselves. So we found creative ways now to just tell them, hey, yeah, I can't match the checkbook of, of some of the bigger guys, but hey, beyond the dollar value, how can we kind of grow together? Well, you know, grow our brand, grow your brand, your race team, or your personal brand? How can we kind of go through trips or experiences and kind of develop something together? And we've actually won over a couple people or individuals um, from some of these other companies just because they believe in us kind of embracing their passions and, and moving in the same direction, if that makes sense, oh, yeah. and kind of versus just sort of sending them a list of, hey, you know, demands, like, hey, we're going to pay you and you need to do this, this and this. So, um, so yeah, on a professional level, and I would say too, like even the automotive industry on a personal level, you see that a lot. I think even me growing up, I always thought, oh, you know, my family, you know, didn't have a Porsche, my dad didn't have a classic car. So it's not the traditional kind of automotive enthusiast story that I think a lot of people think they've had to go through. But I think I learned with friends that had beat up MR2s and, and, and Pontiac Firebirds and kind of my passion grew out of spending uh, all night on, on the garage floor working <laughs> on cars. So. Sure. Um, I think, yeah, both personally and professional, it's kind of uh, not realizing you don't have to have the funds or the means to get into some of these things and kind of and find a way. It's not the easiest route, but I think it's uh, there's still a way to kind of uh, succeed in the industry with uh, without having to, to have the, that kind of means. Well, I like it. And it also shows that person you have a relationship or company uh, that you care a bit more about them. And yeah. that you're willing to work extra hard and in different ways and be creative to support them uh, as they support you as well. So I think it's a, a great way to do it. Yeah, very cool. Looking ahead at uh, Motul and where you guys want to be in a few years, I know there's probably some trade secrets you can't give away, but where do you see the brand in the next three to five years? 
Yeah, I think there's there's definitely some changes going on. I think uh, we've always been known as a, an innovator, kind of a technology company beyond just the oil. We're not tied to any sort of drilling or anything like that that the bigger guys are tied to. So um, especially in Europe and in, in our headquarters near Paris, there's a there's a focus on alternative you know, methods of transportation. So you'll see uh, we're, a lot of the discussions now are even battery dielectric coolants that go into electric car batteries uh, to keep them cool, gearbox fluids. For, for some of these high torque uh, electric motors. So there's some interesting, I guess, science going on and, yeah. and some pivots. We just launched a bicycle range of uh, kind of cleaners and chain loops for bicycles. So oh, cool. yeah, that allows us for, for different kinds of mobility, kind of electric e-bikes, scooters, that sort of thing. So, um, so in the next three to five years, we're trying to do to take our, I guess, expertise in the industry and move with the trends and, and uh, offer some some same type of technology for, for EVs and, and alternative transportation. So it's kind of an interesting time to uh, to be within a, a company like this where we can kind of pivot and move with, uh, with the trends. Oh, it's marvelous. I, I like the way you point that out because you think of what's coming down the line here very fast with the EV world. And I just returned from Southern California. I've never seen so many electric bikes. I mean, it's yeah. like everybody. Ha- I said to my mom, I said, don't kids pedal bikes anymore? My goodness. <laughs> I mean, this is, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. But also the electric vehicles that are coming along, it's just ah, so fascinating. You think, well, no motor oil, no engine that needs oil. But I didn't think about the other parts of the lubricating those uh, motors. There's still different things in the car that have to be lubricated and keep rotating and spinning and, and not burn yeah. out. So, yeah. So. Yeah, and the technology is trying to keep up. Even the charging, I think they're talking about charging systems that are going to have to have coolants in the charger yeah, itself because yeah. of yeah, how fast and how much heat is generated. So there's, uh, yeah, I think there's an interesting um, technology stuff coming up uh, in the next five to ten years. Oh, yeah, fascinating. So special vehicle stories, love to share those. Is there a special vehicle in your life? And if so, tell us about it and maybe a little story about that ride. Yeah, I think uh, one for me, it's, it's a very random one, but uh, a lot of my friends and family know. So it being in college and kind of bored college student, not a lot of money. Um, you know, I had a, a pretty mundane uh, Chrysler Sebring kind of commuter at the time. And, uh, got a tax return and, and was young and dumb. So I found <laughs> a, uh, a 1980 Dodge Omni uh, for $900 with 60,000 original miles. Uh, like an older collector had it kind of just sitting collecting dirt. It was, uh, you know, old root beer brown from like the late 70s, early 80s. So um, I bought the car. I had no no real need for the car, but kind of just wanted a project and was bored. But I just ended up loving that car. It wasn't a GLH or anything kind of, uh, you know, interesting. It was just simply the European kind of had the Volkswagen 1.7 uh, carbureted motor. And so it, it smelled like fuel. The shocks were gone. <laughs> but I was just kind of, you know, I would work on it, replace the motor mounts, get it tuned up and kind of just bounce around town with friends and yeah i just kind of fell in love with this little sort of little tiny hatchback that uh, came out in the 80s so uh, love the car had it for years and uh and uh, i sold it actually to buy my wife an engagement ring so oh how romantic kind of, yeah yeah so <laughs> had to part with uh, the little car that i love to uh to, to move on to something else so yeah that that's just a special car that i've owned that i'll never forget you think of cars in those those era, the hatchbacks, and I had a uh, 79, my first new car was a 79 Scirocco, and mm. of course, it was kind of a step up from the uh, Golf at the time. Yeah, I love those cars. I mean, they're cool, and, and in a way, the Dodge Omni, I mean, looks a lot like all of those in a way, although I think the 80 is when they kind of got a little more swoopy, if I remember, that the headlights kind of got angled back. Is that the one you had? No, so mine was still the early one. I, I mean, it was, I think it was based on, I'm trying to think of uh, either Renault or, or some other Volkswagen kind of okay. shared platform so at the time it was still 
shared, but I think eventually in the mid eighties, they finally changed it to be more of the, the Shelby, they have the Shelby version, the GLH and oh, all that right. stuff. So, yeah. um, didn't have that one. I would love to someday, but, uh, yeah, mine was still the, it was just a badge engineered, essentially European car, but, yeah. uh, yeah, still enjoyed it. Very cool. I'm crawling into your head a little bit here. Uh, car psychology. If you were reincarnated or manifest as a vehicle, what would you be? But more importantly, why? Yeah, this one's uh, an interesting thing to think <laughs> about. I think the strangest thing jumps out because uh, people know I like very strange cars. But yeah. uh, I'm going to say Chrysler 300 SRT8, which is a very it's a random choice. But to me, it's a um, it's kind of no frills. It's it's unassuming. It's relaxed. It's kind of more Motown, you know, soul music, <laughs> meat and potatoes. So for me, it's I like performance and I'm, I like to have a good time. But for the most part, I'm very relaxed and more luxury. So uh-huh. let's say I, I can have a good time, but I, for the most part, I'm unassuming and, and uh, I guess I'm affordable performance in my mind in terms of uh, where I'm at. So very random choice, but uh, yeah, just when I think of it, that's kind of more the me, I guess, in, inside of a, a metal automotive form. Interesting. Inter- well, I had a feeling we started off where you talked about liking things that are quite different, uh, where <laughs> we would go with that question. So, yeah, I think you're the first one of those here on the show. So that's kind of... Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Try, like to choose so- try to choose something unique. So Yeah, very cool. I love it. How about great uh, books? So we love books here on Cars, yes. Is there a great book you'd like to share that uh, you think people would benefit or enjoy reading? Yeah, I said one that jumps out is, uh, I know he's very polarizing, but Mr. Bob Lutz and uh, The Car Guys versus Bean Counters. I've always really enjoyed that book coming from business school and just general interest in the automotive industry. I just, yeah, I like the way he tells the, of that time and GM and trying to kind of write the ship. And, and yeah, again, he's, he's quite the personality, um, but uh, yeah. I, I, I love that book. And he's got a few others that are great, but uh, that's one that jumps out. Another one I really enjoy is the, uh, the Arsenal of Democracy oh, by yeah. AJ Bain. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean, he did, he did the uh, Go Like, Go Go like Cal. Cal. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Which is another great one. But I think the Arsenal of Democracy talking about Ford and kind of helping out support uh, with manufacturing in World War II. It's just a, it's a great story that doesn't often get told. So I just enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. He's been a guest on the show a couple of times, actually, when he's come up with new books. But yeah, that book is fascinating to me because those of us in the car world know him from Go Like Hell. But when you read that book, I mean, it ties in politics and wartime Mm -hmm. and um, the car industry and how they ramped up and, and came to the plate, really. Yeah, to help just, in that cause. So it's an amazing story. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's so amazing. it's worth a read. Yeah, yeah. You just wonder how they do that. My goodness, uh, mm-hmm. amazing. So the ultimate drive. I'm a bit of an enabler here, Nolan. I like to enable people to have fun. That means I will park any car, even something wild, goofy, different that you love in your driveway. Mm-hmm. You can take it on a drive, and you can take anybody with you, even somebody from the past. So if you want to take a drive with Bob Lutz, there you go. Uh, what yeah, does yeah. the ultimate drive look like for you? Yeah, except uh, keeping with weird cars. Uh, I've always still want to go to, you know, I've had the chance, uh, been blessed through this job to go to, to Europe and Paris a few times, but uh, they're wanting to go through the Swiss Alps uh, and the Stelvio Pass and all that. Oh, and, yeah. and I would, and uh, keeping with something Italian, I think I would do like an Alpha Montreal, which I've had a weird fascination with that car as well. Um, it's probably, I know it's not the, the most nimble car to drive, but I think for <laughs> for going slow, nice, uh, twisty uh, road through uh through the Alps to, to Italy and, and back and forth. Um, yeah, in terms of, you know, people that I'd like to go with, it'd be great to talk with, uh, you know, um, I'm an Italian car nerd, so the, the Enzo Ferraris at the time, some of those guys um, would be great. He's a fan of uh, Lee Iacocca, too. I think he's... Oh, sure. 
met him once just briefly when he was a little older, but uh, he's he's an, uh, a person I really look up to. So it would be great to, to spend some time maybe having a conversation with them. So Oh, that car. Yeah, Gandini Design Car, Bertoni. Um, beautiful car, really. I mean, so many different elements of that ride. Yeah. A few years ago, I was at the uh, Concorso Italiano during Car Week, and there was a green one there that was mm-hmm. just you know, beautiful green metallic color, uh, pretty, pretty car. I've never had the chance to drive one. I've been able to look at one and walk around it, but that's kind of about it. Yeah. I yes, wonder, sir. I wonder what they're like to drive. I, I think they were like a two, six liter, uh, twin mm-hmm. cam alpha, obviously motor in that thing. Yeah. So, uh, that would be pretty cool, especially I've had the pleasure of driving a Porsche on that road, the Stelvio pass. And that thing is yeah get to the bottom turn around and go all the way back up it's like this was too cool <laughs> yeah it's definitely a bucket list and yeah that car is it's one thing i think people kind of sleep on because it's uh you know same designer as uh the mura and all yes. that so to yeah. see the values of those shoot up and um, there's been a couple um there's one rare one too sitting in california somewhere in Huntington beach i believe actually oh. um that was one of the few that was actually race it, it was uh, converted to race at imsa and so it's uh yeah. Oh, wow. There's some storied cars that I think you'll, will be seen at auction here in a few years. Well, I hope so. So, uh, yeah, save your pennies, your dollars, mm-hmm. <laughs> your big yep. dollars. Yeah, the way collector car world has gone, it's gotten pretty crazy. You've taken us on a fun ride today, Nolan, and I really appreciate you uh, introducing more of us to Motul, what you guys are doing, where the future goes, and, and more so just learning a lot more about you. Could you leave us with maybe some words of inspiration, a success quote, or a mantra of some kind? Yeah, I think kind of we touched on it earlier, but I think it's just uh, there's so much to say about just pursuing your passion. Um, I think when especially people are at college, they're not sure what they want to do. I think if you can find something you're passionate about and just sort of uh, just keep looking at avenues and ways to kind of pursue it, um, I think that's the best way to find success. I mean, it helps if you're if you're passionate about a specific topic or industry. And you know, like you mentioned, the automotive industry is very open. Um, it, it's it's very welcoming. There's a lot of people that are willing to give advice and. And even uh, I'm on the cusp here of, uh, of having a, uh, my first uh, child, which is a daughter, and I see more and more. Uh, oh, thank you. More and more females getting into the automotive industry, and and to me that's that's just cool to see how how the industry has been accepting of, of everyone, you know, regardless of gender, race, etc., background. So I would just encourage people to to keep pursuing that um, as as it's, it's becoming more and more um, open and, and popular. So I would say. Yeah, pursue your passions. Oh, yeah, definitely makes a difference. I've learned that from talking with so many people. And I've interviewed hundreds of women in the automotive industry. You can find a list of those on the Carsia website. And uh, when is your daughter expected to arrive? Uh, late July, so. Oh, cool. Well, yeah, my so. first granddaughter is expected to show up August 1st. So oh, I'm of a next generation. But uh, having uh, had our first child of two, being a girl, I'll tell you, you're in for wonderful delights. Uh, nothing like a father-daughter relationship and uh, uh, so much fun. Uh, just uh, hang in there when the teenage years come around because <laughs> <laughs> it'll test you a little bit. But you know, the yeah. great thing I learned is uh, that your kids during those years be- go from being dogs to cats, and then they come back and they are dogs again eventually. So. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's hope there. How can people learn more about Motul? Yeah, you can simply go to motul.com. Uh, we're Motul USA on, on most social uh, platforms. So be sure to follow us for, for more events and, and activities that we're doing because uh, we have a lot of exciting stuff brewing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'll put links to that. Easy to find. M-O-T-U-L, of course. And for all you petrol heads, you've heard of them anyway. But uh, check out what they have to offer and play around on the website like I did. I think you'll find it very, very easy to use and very uh, enlightening. And it'll teach you a lot about the right lubricants for your special ride. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Eric Becker at Con Media. Con Media brings me so many great guests. So, Eric, thank you very much. Nolan, thank you for being so generous today with your time and expertise and sharing your world with us today. Until you and I talk talk again. I'll see you down the road. No, thank you, Mark. Appreciate the time and uh, great conversation. It was a real fun. Great fun. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Much appreciated. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!